Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. I spent four or five hours on Friday with a, an old buddy. He is a world-class uh, portrait artist, like uh, oil portraits. Charges upwards of $20,000 to do these stunning pieces of art, one-of-a-kind pieces of art. He and I were discussing one of my projects, um, which is called Voice Locket, voicelocket.com, in which we preserve the voice, the mannerisms um, of ancestors, dad, granddad, mom, grandma, so that you will have that voice in rich 4K video. And now with the cloud and with mirrored hard drives and backups and redundancy, you can keep that around forever. So it's like a studio portrait, only in crystal clear digital audio and video. So this is my way of saying I hope you will at least check out voicelocket.com. Once upon a time, we kept the photographs of our loved ones in a little locket. You know, if men went away to war or wherever to see, um, could keep the voice, the, the picture of the sweetheart there next to them. Now we can preserve the actual images and voices of the people we love the most and keep them for all time. Because I can't tell you how many times people say, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done this with my grandma. Um, so now you can. There's no excuse. And you, whether you use our product or not, don't put this off. And, and let me tell you something, writing a book is not the same thing. I'm not dissing people who write memoirs. It's hard work. I've done it. But given the choice between whether to have a letter from my dad, which I don't look at the letters from my dad, or looking at the video of when I sat him down and talked to him and asked him about his parents, etc., there's just no question. Voice locket, one word, dot com. Check it out that she didn't give up even when she was knocked down and that even though she was afraid she still kept on pushing forward what is the sound of one man listening this is man listening a fresh podcast featuring the stories of strong women who bounce back man listening because every woman deserves to be heard Hi there, I'm Stuart Watson. Welcome to Man Listening. This week, Tara Kelly, also known as Tara Baltashevitz. Tara Kelly writes romance books. She had a teacher who said what I think is kind of unforgivable, that she really wasn't a writer. Now she's written more than three dozen, including romance suspense. So we talk about her growing up in Michigan and, um, and we talk a little bit about meeting her husband, who's a personal hero of mine. Uh, Tara Kelly. Where were you born? Rochester, Michigan. 
full transparency, I literally just went and texted my mom and I said, I was born in Rochester, Michigan, right? Because I always mess it up. So that's how much I can answer to you because I had to ask my mother. Were you like, did you immediately move or something? Yeah. So, I mean, I ultimately, my memories are mostly in Freeland, Michigan. But for my first two years, I want to say it is, we lived in Madison, Wisconsin, because dad had a job, and then moved back to Michigan uh, and ended up in Freeland, where I was born and raised. And dad had a I job really doing? He worked at what was called Wicks Lumber. And Wicks Lumber was like a Home Depot, but it was like a small town type thing. And I want to say he was a sales guy for that. Could be wrong. I know he was a sales guy, but I can't remember if it was for Wix or another company. It was a lumber company. I remember that in my brain. Dish your mother prepared, (laughs) which just like totally reminds you of her, like totally reminds you of home. Oh, uh, Swiss steak, which technically is not steak because my father was a hunter and we lived on um, venison most of our life. So, Were you a hunter? I helped my dad. Yeah, I did. I like I can remember when I was like 10, I would go out hunting with him. I gutted a deer. I did the whole thing. Yeah. Did you ever shoot the deer? No, no. When you say you helped him, what did you do? I got down. Oh, like uh, I would sit in the blinds with him and help him with like waiting for the deer to come and learning how to be quiet, which isn't good for me. I'm not patient and I'm not quiet. So, yeah. And did he... Like, how do you help him? Like spotting deer or did you? Yeah. So my dad's colorblind. Mm. So if he did shoot a deer and if I wasn't there and he was like, okay, I can't find the deer, we would all have to get in the car and go help him find the deer because um, he can't see the blood if on like the leaves and anything like that. I mean, being raised on venison and not having as much beef. Yeah. I don't really see the difference. There are, like, when we, when Dad got a deer in Arizona, I think it was, there was a difference in how they ate and how it tasted compared to the Michigan deer. So I, that's when I knew that there was differences. Otherwise, yeah, I never knew the differences. Yeah. So when somebody says, I'm a vegan, do you say, oh, well, I shoot deer? No. You don't volunteer that information. No. You don't. But I'm very open with the fact that I am not vegan. <laughs> right. Right. And you know where your Salisbury steak came from. Exactly. So can you make Salisbury steak just like your mother? It'll never be like mom's because mom's puts, you know, mom puts the love in it. So Special love. Yeah. So it, I can never do it like mom, but I attempt it and we usually enjoy it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's nice. And it's, I mean, it's like the simplest meal y'all have. Yeah. It's, you know, like uh, venison steak that you um, you dip in, you dredge in eggs and flour. Yeah, batter. And, yeah, like, and then you just cook it in a pan with cream of mushroom soup and some water. Oh, there you go. And then you top it with some rice and she always has on the side uh, French style green beans. Now, that's what I call... A hearty Miss Midwestern. Totally. You know, no fancy, no fancy stuff. Totally. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like that comfort food. Literally. And it's not going to be on the cooking channel. It's just your, this is meat and potatoes. This yeah. is meat and rice, you know, and it's balanced too. You got your greens totally. in there. You got your. your you get starch. some veggies. That's cool. Yeah. 
That's wonderful. So do you identify as a Midwesterner? I mean, do you really sort of relate as a Midwesterner? 100%. Yeah. I call myself a Michigander. Um, always. Uh, I will always be a Michigan at heart. You know, we've lived away for 27 years, so it's weird to say that, but some people will still say, I noticed your, your little bit of an accent and I'm like, it's 27 years ago. But yeah, I will always be a Michigan. So there's girl. a big debate about what it means to be a Southerner. What does it mean to be a Midwesterner? What do you think that means? What are some attributes? When I think of being a Michigander, I think of Mackinac Island and I think of all the all the trees and like taking the trips and the hikes and the hunting with dad and and the different food that I eat with them. Yeah, my trips to Traverse City and having cherries, fresh cherries on the side of the road having homemade fudge from Mackinac Island. So good. Yeah. Like Absolutely. All those pop in my mind. And you can go and get fresh fish, mm-hmm. freshwater fish. The trout. Yeah. Which is one of my favorites. Yeah. 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 Or and if you're, I remember going with grandma and grandpa and my parents and we would go get smelt. Oh um, my word. And then we would fry it up. Pan, pan smelt. Yeah. That's, that, that will always be my favorite. Yeah. But it has to, I, I would want it from when I had it back then. I wouldn't want it today. Like it wouldn't be the same because it wouldn't be with my grandma and grandpa and everybody. Oh, that's interesting. But if you had it, like if you saw it at a fancy schmancy restaurant, it would take you back. 100%. Yeah. 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 It's funny how they say that smell and taste is the strongest trigger of memory. Mm-hmm. And it takes us, like it transplants us. That and the songs you heard on the radio when you were 13 years old. Mm. You know, those are the two things that just like, it's like a time warp. It puts you right there. Like you literally just took me to, thinking of Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, actually, and my grandfather putting one of those um, eight-track tapes in, or Chipmunks Country. An eight-track tape for our producer. Do you know what an (laughs) eight-track tape is? Have you ever heard that? It's a big, chunky, you know what a cassette tape is. Did you say yes, sir? Oh, my God. It's a big, chunky tape. And, but, but also, it's like a cassette, sort of, in that it is a magnetic tape. However, you would click around, but it's, that yeah, that big. Like, bigger than, like, two packs of cigarettes. And you could take them in your car and put them in a console, just like now you have, oh, I don't know, you can play iPods or podcasts or whatever right out of the console. You could play these, and you would click around. There were four channels with stereo on each of them, hence eight tracks. But you would click around just like the beginning of a record. So you would have to listen to each track all the way through. But if you knew where in a certain track you could click, you could pick up another song in the middle. So for those of you born after X, the explanation of an A-track, okay, what Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton song? Are we talking um, Islands in the Stream? Thank you. That's literally where my brain is at. Yes, it's exactly the one. Yeah, but then there was what's the Kitty Rogers with the uh, the poker game one? Yeah, you no one to hold them. There yeah, it is. the yeah. gambler. Yeah, no when to fold them. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Takes you back totally, definitely. 
Yeah. Get you back. Okay. So growing up a Midwesterner. So fast forward, um, in high school, you would have hung with what crowd, what kinds oh, of kids, who did you gravitate toward? This makes me sound like a bad girl now. Now you get to take oh, me to the, the wild days. The dark um, side. Yeah. I mean, I, what, what we called back then was, sorry, they called it the stoner group which was not who I was. I just want to stress that and preface that. I was not who I was, but that's what they called them. And uh, and you would go out behind the school and they would be smoking. And, and so it was kind of that- Smoking, cigarettes, smoking cigarettes. weed. Yeah, it was usually just cigarettes. Um, but, you know, so that, I don't know if it's fair to say the rougher crowd, but maybe for some people, that's what they would believe. But I, I gravitated to the, the wilder bunch, I guess. But I mean, you guys weren't knocking over liquor stores. and No, like, I mean- Ultimately, I did start drinking at a very young age. So, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not like I'm afraid to share that or are afraid to even tell anybody that that's who I am. That's, you know. But I mean, just because people smoke cigarettes don't doesn't mean they smoke weed, you know. No, but, you know, we explore. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So music in high school that you guys listen to. Oh, gosh. Uh, hair bands. I was uh, majorly into hair bands. And now you're going to ask me my favorite one. Um, well, I know like Quiet Riot and uh, Poison. Did you ever see them live? No. But I did see Def Leppard live. Ah. I went with my uh, one of my dear friends. Yeah. Good experience? It was really fun. I was still young. It was I think it was like my second concert. But I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, extracurricular activity you really enjoyed. <laughs> like if you really wanted to do something that draw. I loved art. Yeah. I would um you didn't do much with like uh extracurricular. Um I wasn't athletic or anything. And so uh I would usually have a notebook and I would be uh writing poems or I would have my uh notepad and I would be drawing. Do you yeah. still have some of those poems? Yep, they sit in my closet. And? Yeah. Or in the basement now. Embarrassing or you no. really like them? I wouldn't look at the poems today probably because I was very, very, um, they were dark. They were weird. Like I'm like, what was wrong with me? But my, my artwork, I love looking at them. Like I'm really proud of myself for like that. Like weird depressed, weird violent, weird, what does that mean? I just sounded like I... I always felt like, gosh, I look like I was unhappy. Yeah. And I never, I don't remember. I can't remember feeling that unhappy that I'm like, why am I writing that? So, so at age 18, okay, you decided to go where and do what? Well, I had at 13, I, I'm going to step back for a second and say at 13, I had taken a trip with my family to New York. And so I, um, in New York, I was like, I want to be a disc jockey. So at 18, I wanted to be a disc jockey. And I had always said, you know, since I was 13, that's what I was going to do. So my friend, a friend of family helped us get a job. And um, I worked at Oldies 96. I can't remember how it went, though. In what it town? Like, and it was, gosh, I can't remember the tagline right now. Darn it. I used to say the tagline, too. Right now, my brain's not letting me do it. But it was all like six, 50s and 60s music in some. All the hits of the 50s, yeah, 60s, the and stuff. 70s. Yeah. And maybe yeah. like early 70s too. Yeah. And I did. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I got a job doing the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. When was your shift? 
I worked uh, seven to midnight. Yeah, I was just a weekender. Now, feel free to tell me, you know, not to answer this, but did you have any kind of hearing yeah. disability at the time? I've had it all my life. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, um, at six days old, they discovered my kidney had, was multicystic, which means uh, you can have polycystic, which spreads to other organs, or you can have multicystic, which is just in that organ and it's, it's causing that organ a problem. And so the one kidney was multicystic and they had to remove it at six days old. Mm. And in my first three months of, um, being born, I was having hearing problems and crying all the time and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. And then they figured out that I was having, um, hearing issues. What we discovered is that the genetic issue that I have is my kidney and my hearing are apparently a related thing. So Wow. I have never heard that. I hadn't either, but then someone had said that to me and I was like, okay, well, but who would think your kidneys are connected to your, I know it's hearing. weird. Yeah. I don't, I, There's a lot that goes on in the human body, which is a great mystery to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's another. So for prior to being 32, I could tell people if you were in the shower and somebody was talking to you in the shower and it, you know how it can sound muffled because you got your head in the water and you're doing all the things, that muffled sound that you have, that's the amount of hearing I could have that I had. After 32, I started having um, what, other people would think is tinnitus, but it was my levels of hearing were changing. And so I have ringing in my ears and I have probably a couple of years ago discovered that I also have what sounds like an airplane going overhead. Uh, so it's just, if I take my hearing aids out, I hear all these other things that, so I can't, I have to read lips. My parents, my parents taught me when I first started talking they were like, they would take me and they would just say, look at me. And, uh, and I would have, that's, I, that's the only way I know how to communicate. And I don't know how to look at people's eyes because it's so awkward to me. Like I feel awkward to look at your eyes, but I'm totally fine with looking at your lips and just following along. But yeah. And so well, the whole mask thing is probably problematic. It, I don't go out. Yeah. Like I literally, and if, if Brian is the husband is not with me, I, a lot of times if, if you guys are with me and it, and the husband's not with me and you, and you hear me going, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that. Just know that Tara doesn't know what's going on. I love it that he's the husband, not my husband. He is the husband. He's the man. <laughs> he is he's the my man. man. <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan I of you too. individually and together. I'm a big fan. <laughs> so, well, we appreciate it. It seems appreciate you. to work. I mean, you seem to have a really good... Oh, yeah. I I was truly blessed. I met him when I was 19, and I am the luckiest girl ever. So, yeah. Where'd you meet? Actually, right like right by my hometown. He was working uh, in... So I am from Freeland, and he was living in Midland. And I went to college to do broadcasting, because I was going to be a disc jockey. And, uh, and, and then later on, wanted to do more. And so I went into... The, the community college there because they have a PBS station and he was working there as director producer and he had and he had oh that's right he started so I I started school four or five months before he started and then he came in that January and I remember going home to my mom like and going oh we have a new guy you know he's the produ he's the director producer 
And uh, my mom going, oh, really? And I'm like, ew, mom, he's 27. <laughs> and then he's an old man. Later, yeah. So, <laughs> but it was, it, but six months later, we were somehow magically together. Yeah. And now who made the first move on th- those fronts? Who, do, who, who, who asked who out? It was kind of a weird, I had asked him to cut, he was into television and the radio and all that too. He loves radio. Uh, and so I said, come see me at the radio station. Well, because I was 19 and because you guys probably listening have just discovered that yes, I'm in school and he's the director producer. He never was my teacher. He never was anything. We never did anything bad. But I didn't yeah, put two but, and two together. Yeah. Uh, and so... I said, come visit me at the, at the, you know, station, but he was uncomfortable to do it. Cause he's like, well, she's 19 and I shouldn't be doing that. And I remember I got mad at him. And so, uh, I think about a week and a half later, he was driving by and he said, randomly he stopped. And then, uh, we hung out and it just kind of happened. There wasn't a, there wasn't a, Hey, let's go out. It, it just kind of happened. It was natural. It was organic. It was literally natural. Yeah. 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 That's always the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's always the best where nothing is forced. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing is kind of, I have to put on um, some sort of formal, is this a date? You know? Yeah. Like, it's just more like, well, we're hanging out, you know? Totally. That's exactly what it was. Yep. And so how long was it before you realize this isn't just a guy that I'm dating. This is a guy I want to marry. Oh, within two weeks. I, I oh, my God. Yeah, I knew he was the one. Same for him? Yep. He will tell you that, too. Because? We just were so happy. Yeah. Like, we just connected. You know, our conversations and just everything. Yeah. Like, there was just a huge connection on, even today, you can see it. Yeah. That if we talk, like, I'll say something and he'll immediately agree. Like, we just have that complete connection on everything that we love and believe in and everything. Yeah. It's it's very interesting and unique and beautiful. So it's like, you know, you think about that romance aspect mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you know, but my relationship doesn't revolve around that. And um, so I do truly believe in that. My relationship revolves around the fact of how how we feel about each other and how we want to go about our day or our laughing. My favorite thing is when we get to laugh together, you know, or just sitting and just, just not talking sometimes, but we're together and we grab each other's hands, you know? So it doesn't have to have all that other extra (laughs) things, you know, it can have. I'm laughing because I'm a talker and we'll go out and walk you know, on the greenway and look at birds. We're the old silver haired couple looking at birds. Yeah. And and I'll be blah 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 blah. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you. Shut up, Stuart. <laughs> will you shut up? Will you shut up just and take just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but this is how I bond. And she's like, Well, how I bond is just like being there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like having the same experience in the same place. Yeah. Like powerful. Be quiet and look at the chickadee. You know? Now, I will say I'm a chatty Kathy too. So I yeah. get it. I sympathize with that, by yeah. the way. See, we're both broadcasters. We don't <laughs> believe in dead air. You've got to fill the yeah, dead it's air. It's awkward if you got dead air. Yeah. There's something wrong. Yeah. Like, or did I do something wrong? Yeah. And speaking <laughs> of which, 
Um, try to articulate what the love affair is with first with radio and now going on into podcasting. What try to because it's it's a little bit difficult for people who just love something so much. But what was it you loved, loved about radio? Oh, gosh. I, you know, I'm trying to even think what triggered my brain to, to fall in love with it. I don't even know. To, I, I honestly don't know today what triggered well, is it. Is it Wolfman Jack? Is it Dr. Laura? Is it Howard Stern? Is it, it wasn't people. NPR? It was the concept is it... of, I want to say that I am more attracted to um, doing the radio uh, rather than TV just because I don't like free, being in front of a camera. And yet I love to interact with people um, I'm, I, I can be an introvert, but, you know, Brian says I'm not technically an introvert. He goes, because you still do things. And so I, and, and he's, is he he's an introvert? Right. We are both elements of introvert, but we know how to be extrovert, extroverts very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because we have to right, with what we do. And I, I would say that I just enjoyed um, that interacting plus with my hearing impairment doing the radio was easier for me than doing like, you know, any thought of television. Um, I don't, you know, like I, I, my life does revolve around thinking about what, what can I do as a hearing impaired person? So, um, and today I am severely hearing impaired, hearing impaired, excuse me. So um, a lot of my decision-making that I did um, was that. So I, I feel like that's kind of, I never had somebody like Brian would say WJR, what is it? WKRP in, in Cincinnati, Cincinnati that he would tell you that the old but, sitcom, but that's his favorite. But for me, like, I don't have somebody. I just, I love the concept of getting in behind a mic and being able to talk and do the thing and, and being able to be somebody else or doing this interesting voice and creating, you know? Um, yeah. Not to mention there were just these like Wolfman Jack going all the way. Amazing to, voices. Yeah. Yeah. Where their voice created the persona. Yeah. Yeah. Because definitely I met, well, I think about like the person at my little small town radio where I worked at is uh, Johnny Burke. And he had like this big voice too. And then when you talk to him, it wasn't like that. So they were able to create that way um, when the mic was hot, but you know, you turn it off and it's like, wait a minute, that's not what you sound like. So I, I love that concept too. So, And nowadays with podcasting, I think there's a lot more emphasis on people just being who they are, like not creating yeah. a persona, but yeah. just having a conversation and just being who you are. Yeah, definitely. It yeah. definitely opens the door for more people to, to share their creative side instead of feeling like they, they can't. You know, because they they had to feel intimidated by, you know, something. They have that ability to create. As a medium, the potential of the medium, because I still think we're on the way up. You know, I think. Yeah, okay. We haven't hit the pinnacle, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, I've I've enjoyed um, just, well, I've enjoyed learning so much about it and um, and seeing the power of it um, and the voices that have come out 
in just um, my own space with my husband and how much fun it is to watch, you know, each person, the one that popped in my mind is uh, the one where they talk about restaurants, you know, and they're just discussing like their favorite restaurant that they went to, which is Amuse Bouche. And uh, which is the, what it's called. Amuse Bouche is the podcast. How do you spell that? A-M-U-S-E. And there's a little hyphen on the E, I believe. Amuse. No, is that right? Amuse Bouche. Do you all produce that? We do. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, and and they go to their favorite, you know, restaurants and then they talk about it. And think about that. Just that. And that's one example, right? But, you know, taking that concept of just your favorite space and then you get to talk about your favorite space or about this dish that came out, you know, that doesn't happen on radio, you know, that gets to happen on a podcast though. And then somebody else gets to listen to that and then go, Oh, that sounds really good. I'm going to go to that restaurant. And then how amazing that is. And the build that happens with those spaces, like the restaurants or, or a place that is talked about in any way. Uh, the build that can happen just by one little podcast and and all these other things that are mentioned. Uh, so I feel like the power of just our own little voice is actually bigger than we believe, you know, by what we can share. It's an equal opportunity. Yeah. There's no gatekeeper. Nobody in New York or L.A. gets to say yeah. whether you succeed. You get out there and work at it. Mm-hmm. And you have a little bit of talent and insight and a whole lot of teamwork and some plain old luck. And, yeah. But there, you know, there's the what defines success. Like, man, listening has been on every week for, I guess, 108 weeks mm-hmm. now. Yep. And has never missed a deadline in the middle of COVID. Right. I'm terrifically proud of that. And I'm very grateful to you guys for what you've done. And it's largely due to Liz and Brian that it has been, that we've never, because that's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. I think he should take vacations more. I worry about him. One day we will. Yeah. It's our, our, our 25th wedding anniversary this year. Oh, my God. So Happy we're gonna anniversary. We're going to do it. It'll Happy happen. anniversary. Where yeah. do you want to go? We don't do gifts, really. We just, like, actually, like, our gifts are like, hey, what do you want? I want this. Okay, well, I'm going to get this, too. Like, well, when you take off, where do you want to go? We're, oh, we're going to do, like, Wilmington, probably. Because, like, we, well, if it wasn't pandemic, we had thought about going somewhere else. But, like, a you know, Vegas or something like that. The beach? But I think we're just going to do a trip to uh, to What was the date? What was the wedding date? March 22nd, 1997. God, it's next month. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I so hope you have some time to enjoy. And where did you go on your honeymoon? (laughs) We did Vegas. Ah. (laughs) What'd you like about Vegas? You know, so we weren't like gamblers. We just enjoyed like going around. I'm a foodie. So I'm like, you know, let's just explore all the food. Yeah. So like we would, well, we spent too long. We spent seven days there. We both were like, this is way too long. You know, about four days the max in a Vegas, you know, on a Vegas trip. But uh, we also combined it with going to the NAB, which is the National Association for Broadcasters, right? You know that one. And uh, so we went and did that too. Yeah. So it wasn't anything like fancy. It was just fun for us though. Yeah. Oh, and, and and I'll just I'll just top the cherry on the Sunday here and say that we stayed at Hooters because ah! that's what you do 
uh, because we had a deal that because he kept winning. I didn't know you could stay at Hooters. Yeah, they have a hotel and casino. Yeah, that's how I want to say it. The combo. Yeah. Oh my word. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> I told you. Yeah, you gotta just gotta add that little bit on there because it's fun. Yeah. And where <laughs> did you get married? So our this is really fun. So we lived in Tucson, Arizona. So if you, uh, my brain, Tara, is uh, old Tucson. There it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, but that's not where we got married. But if you are taking a trip down the road, heading to old Tucson, you basically, you go through these mountains. And when you pass through the mountains, it's called Gates Pass. And, and it's where the settlers came in and came in to Tucson and settled. And so that's why it's called Gates Pass. And there's a stopping point where you can see out and you can see old Tucson and you can see desert museum, which is a zoo basically for all desert life. And, and you can see that and it's gorgeous. It's my most favorite thing and all the saguaro and all that cactus. And, uh, but there's this landing. So you park the car and you can go and see that. And there's like this light, you walk carefully walk down like the side of a kind of like a baby hill and like there's this landing and then you've got like mountains all around you and it's public. And I said, we should get married right here. And so because it's public, you have to like say, okay, well, if somebody else is getting married, then you'd have to wait for their marriage. And then you'd have to, then you could do your thing. And we were like, we're going to chance it. And, uh, and so we had our minister and we had a guy that played a guitar and there was, I think it was like 35 of us because family came in from out of town and stuff. And we all carefully walked down this little hill and stood in that landing and with the little mountain on each side and that whole big scene, Brian will tell you, I think it was, it w- well, it was a sunset because we did the sunset. It was like around five o'clock ish. And so, yeah, we like, now I apparently uh, the joke is, is that Tara doesn't have emotion when she gets married, whereas Brian is a blubbering cutie. <laughs> um, and apparently when the guy announces that we're married, people, it's a scenic place. People come and watch the sunset. That's what you do at Gates Pass is you go, you park and you watch the sunset. Apparently you can hear a whole stadium like of clapping, but I can never hear it because I was oblivious to the world because uh, yeah, apparently I was just very zoned in on what was happening. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was very in unique. the moment you were very was totally. In the yes. But yeah, it was unique. And what did you wear? I, I had the full on wedding dress, the but white, I didn't have like a long um, train. Yeah. I didn't or... even have a train, but I didn't even have a long dress Ah, okay. because you know, it's cactus and, and dirt and everything that you're walking around. Uh, so we, you know, I mean, I was careful on what I picked out and what we had, but I didn't even have a train or anything. And my, um, uh, the headpiece that I had. Veil. Thank you. Apparently I can't talk today cause I can't uh, think of all words. Right. Uh, but it wasn't even that long either. I think it went to like, like middle of my back or something yeah. like that. So. And what did Brian wear? He had a very nice suit. And then we picked out ties for color everyone. black, dark blue. It was black. Yeah, yeah it was and white uh, shirt, white shirt. Yep. Yeah. And then we picked out ties that all of his guys wore and that had purple. Our colors were purple. My girls wore purple. Uh, they had we had their dresses made. And uh, so we went a little unique on that. So, yeah. 
That's our awesome. colors are purple and green because green is my favorite color. Purple is his. So that's wonderful. I have to ask you. Um, you also write books. I do. And you've helped me with a children's book yeah. that I'm working on. That so you just released. Well, say, well, it hasn't come out yet. We still got to figure out the vagaries of Well, it's the, almost. Yes, it's laid out. Um, what got you from audio to text to actually writing? Well, my story of, of writing was never planned. I mean, I never planned to be a writer. Um, you know, I told you earlier that I wrote poems, but I was very... Um, self-conscious of what I wrote and I would hide them away. Nobody ever saw them. Uh, I don't even know if I've ever showed Brian. If I did, it was maybe one or two. Uh, I was very uncomfortable. And, um, and so, um, and then in 11th grade, I wrote a children's book, but for me, like I just kept that writing, you know, to myself and I never planned on that path in my life. And then I, uh, my second degree that I went for, um, you had to do an internship afterwards. And my in, my director of my internship at one point had told me I wasn't a good writer. And so instead, my stuff was elementary. So for me, I already didn't feel like I was a good writer. And then she was just telling me exactly everything that I felt. And so for from that point till nine years later, um, which was 2013, I um, I just left my creative mind go. I just ignored it. And so, it makes my heart hurt when I hear about. Yeah, it, it, I still can't understand that whole that whole story. Still, kind of just makes me question and wonder, and, and I just don't understand. You know, like because even trying to understand what was happening at that moment, and there was still no. She didn't want to help. She didn't want to help, and um, and and. I have worked very hard to let the anger go. And so, um, but she did cause a lot of, um, of issues for me for several years, but it's okay today. I'm okay today. You know, um, I'm, pub I'm a published author. So, and I have a raving, raving fan, so I can't complain. Congratulations. You know? What genre do you write in? I write contemporary romance, mm -hmm. romantic comedy, I don't know what that and means. And romantic suspense, by the way. I don't, so. I don't know exactly okay. what those mean, so okay. help me. Uh, if you We're write, not really talking Harlequin. Yeah, I mean, you are. I mean, that's that. That's what inspired me. My 16-year-old self reading Harlequin stories and going, I love these stories. So, And then listening to audiobooks um, of Susan Mallory's Fool's Gold series, which is my most favorite thing and inspired me to want to write. Um, and so, yeah, I guess because it's good, it's a steamy romance ultimately. So contemporary romance is like that, like that top part, and then under contemporary romance, you have like your romantic comedy, and you got small town, and so it's like an umbrella of stuff that goes with it, right? Um, but I mean, you're ultimately like you can, you're not taking it to a, a suspenseful level. It's still like a, a steamy Hallmark movie, you know. So you're still taking it. Is this unrequited or is it, you know, it, you know, it, it's not a frustrated kind of a thing that it's all, oh, there's a payoff. Yeah. I write happily ever after HEA, mm -hmm. but you can do happily for now HFN. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the, the abbreviations that you would hear people say. 
Um, but I like doing Happily Ever After. That's my favorite thing to do. I like writing small town because I'm from a small town. And so a lot of my inspiration comes from like my Michigan roots. And um, and actually one of my series, I put it in Michigan and I do all my favorite places in Michigan at that point too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the characters, you know, either they'll, they're already, they know each other or they're just meeting. And then it's that process of bringing them together. Um, I was, a, I'm a food blogger also. So I put a ton of food, like the book I just finished, I'm, I'm editing it right now. And I'm like, man, I talk a lot about food, but it's just, it's how I write. Well, food brings people together it for totally whatever. It does. Yeah. 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 And that's the place when you go on a date. That's how you that's meet. You, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And food blogger, you write about what? What do you mean by that? I'm trying to remember. I So I was a food blogger first when we first moved here, actually, in 2010. Um, I was kind of creating recipes, and someone was like, hey, you should be a food blogger. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but tell me about it. And so I just kind of met some people. Um, in Charlotte, it's very interesting because there's a lot of creatives. And so I met some food bloggers and they, they helped me set up my blog and I started doing the process, the ugly photos and all the things in the beginning and slowly learned how to do fancy photos. And, um, so I would just tell stories, but I still, by the way, when I did the food blog, I was still uncomfortable with my writing because I was still going through that phase of, of dealing with what I had experienced. Evidently, there's someone out in California or some Silicon Valley who said, if you're not embarrassed by it, you're waiting too long to Ooh, put I it like out that. there. I like that. That's a fair you've got to be totally embarrassed by the first, just get it out there. Just get yes. started. Yeah, because like my first book that I put out, there are moments, like even today, I shared, someone said, how do I get your books? I want it in paperback. And I'm like, okay. And I had this internal, oh God, she's going to read my first book. And then I was like, okay. Here it is. Here's the link. Tara, just share it because this is it. You know, like, why hide it? It It's your first book and you just move on and know that that's your first book. And yay, you did it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And people tried to get me to just like take it in that I'd finished a book. And yeah. I don't think I ever really was able to, you know, just kind of take it in. Oh, really? Because I think I had these completely unrealistic expectations that it would make uh, money or something. Uh, and I mean, they can, but it's a process. There's correct. a lot of work that goes into it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And even with all the books that I have today, you know, that, and I... So how many? Well, I have 39 published. Oh, my God. S- but seven of those are, are box sets. Uh-huh. But Brian always says, who cares? Don't tell anybody that. And he goes, just say you have 39 published. But, I mean, ultimately, there are 39 books that you'll find on a bookstore from me. You mm-hmm. know? Um, I use, uh, it's Tara Kelly. Uh, Kelly is the last name because my grandmother's maiden name. Yeah, that's memorable. Yeah, that's, totally. That sticks. That's I, that's kind of because my my actual name is Tara Baltashevitz and putting Baltashevitz on a book is, well, that's just not gonna work. Yeah, you know, especially for romance, like like you just said, you want it to be memorable. And like I actually have um, Tara Kelly for the contemporary romance and T M Kelly, which Marie is my middle name, uh, for the romantic suspense. And I I was advised one time to separate them. I kind of regret it today. I just wish I would have put them all together, but. It is what it is. Why would you separate them? 
I was told by this person that, you know, if you separate them because they're two different genres and people, um, you're, you're going to um, confuse your audience if you have them all together. I know today that that's not correct, um, especially because my audience now is rooting for me wanting to do my vampire romance. So they don't care, <laughs> you know, but unfortunately, that was the advice I had gotten. And have you done a vampire is. romance or is, is it? I'm going to start. I'm going to start plotting it. Oh. I'm very excited about it. Why now, not? the vampires have a romance or they're like the vampires themselves. Is this vampire to vampire or we? I mean, I think I haven't decided yet. It's good. You know, my inspiration came from the show, uh, the series Discovery, uh, Discovery of Witches mm. that I just found. Um, I guess it's on Sundance and it's on the uh, channel Shutter. Yeah. And I started and I, and it comes from a trilogy, a book trilogy too. Um, but I watched that and I fell in love with the romance between Matthew and Diana. And I was like, I want to write that, not that, but I want to write my own thing. And Brian was like, well, then why aren't you doing it? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to do this. So yeah. Uh, but it, I, I, so I don't have an answer yet. I'm going to create a full world. I'm going to create my own complete world. And so it's going to take some time. Yeah, I'd have to do a lot of thinking about romance yeah. because um, have you read or watched The Outlander? I've watched the first season and half of the second season. It's exhausting because it's so intense. So I took a break and then I just haven't gone back. I liked it, though. My wife loves that. They're good. Yeah. And there's a fair amount of history woven in. And totally. there's also, I think it's a female, it's a very sort of female lending, leading. Yeah. It could just be me, but, and also steamy, a little it's steamy. Oh, like it's very escapist steamy. Yeah. and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Total. Oh. I mean, that romance between I them To fan two. myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it literally is. Yeah. It's yeah. different. Yeah. You see the sparks fly. Oh, you 100%. The, yeah. And I think that's like, if, if. You know, if you're um, attracting whoever you're attracting that's going to watch the show, that's that's the thing that, like, Matthew and Diana and A Discovery of Witches, you know, same thing with Outlander. It's those two characters and, and pulling you in and, and, and wanting to see what happens with them. It's exciting. I have to say that you said something about the amount that you post um, to constantly tweak and try and market and be... and I just say one thing I super admire about you is you're studying what works, mm -hmm. your persistence and perseverance at what are, I would call it a work ethic. So I really admire your work ethic, not only in just people don't appreciate that just writing the book is hard enough and yeah. getting it edited and out. The marketing is like, oh, my God, so much harder. Oh, yeah. So 100%. much harder. And so I really admire what it is you do. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. I ask everybody the same question Okay. at the end. Um, if we get struck by lightning, <laughs> okay. uh -oh. God forbid, yeah, today, right. and all that survives is this little piece of audio, like we're gone, but there's just the audio, what is your legacy? That she didn't give up even when she was knocked down. And that even though she was afraid... She still kept on pushing forward. That's the very definition of resilience. 
which is what this podcast is dedicated to, what would you tell that girl named Tara who is faced with someone in a position of authority whose opinion she trusts, who says, this is really not for you. I want to save you a lot of time and direct you to do something else. This is one person's opinion, and and that one person is uh, not your target audience. And so because you want to do something like this, and it's in your soul, and you know that this is where you're heading, uh, know that that one person is not your deciding factor of what you should do in your life. Uh, so keep moving forward and keep doing what you want to do and keep enjoying all the things and don't let that one person stop you from doing that thing. Like uh, I get angry for that girl. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, right now the emotions that I have in my chest are the memories of what I experienced and the, the emotions that I have in my chest are a tight chest and um, sadness. So, um, yeah, that would be anger and sad, you know. Uh, but so, yeah. you came back and you showed it can be done. Totally. It can absolutely be done. And you don't have to have a New York Times bestseller. No, you never do. To no. still be a professional. Exactly. And be a published author dozens of times over and make money. Yep. Yep. And have, have, and have like a community of people that go, Tara, when are you writing book next? Tara, I can't wait to see your book. Tara, oh my God, that was so good. And just that alone changes everything for you. And how does that feel in your chest? (sighs) It actually calmed me. Yeah. I just, I love it. It just makes me so happy. It's very gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Continued success. Thank you. And thank you for making time for us. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. And full disclosure, Tara Kelly uh, Baltashevitz has helped me personally in putting together a children's book. And I'll tell you more about that in the weeks to come because we're sending it off to Ingram Spark. So it'll soon be on Amazon. It'll be a real thing little children's book which is so sweet such a sweet story tara you are sweet thank you thank you for appearing on man listening man listening is a production of unmediated llc in cooperation with the queen city podcast network and balto creative media allison andrews at andrews creative and rachel clapp miller are developmental producers sally higgins at higgins and owens tries to keep us legal Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. Please go to our Patreon page. You'll find us at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening. One word, no spaces. We hope you'll join us by becoming a member. A small investment can raise up the conversation. If you want exclusive member merch like a t-shirt, we can arrange that too. A huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has supported Man Listening and all my crazy ventures from the very start. Thank you, folks. Don't forget to support us at Patreon. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks.